Our God has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen. He doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with trees. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. Welcome to The God Whisperers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. And I'm Bill Swirla. We're talking some more about the table of duties today. More duties. The home edition. This is the home edition. That's right. (laughs) The domestic sphere. This is where we get into husbands, wives, parents, children, workers of all kinds, employees, Youth, widows, etc., and everyone, it's, and everyone. In case I, I love Luther. Always has those those final catches and everything else. That's in case you missed any. In case you don't fit into any of the other categories, <laughs> this one's for you. So, if people wanted to find us on the internet, where would they go, Bill? Godwhispers.com. And if they wanted to email us, where would they go? Or where would, what, would, what God, would they address, Bill? Godwhispers at gmail.com. And we're twittering. Well, we, our latest we we're Twitter. tweeters. We're, we're, we're tweeting on Twitter. That's that's twitter.com backslash God Whispers. I don't that whole Did you catch a theme there. That whole tweet thing is unnerving to me because it sounds too much like tweakers. Well, it sounds to me it's like tweety, tweety bird, method. but but it's oh. it's um, well, you're more innocent than me, apparently. Yeah, so you know, with regard to that, untated. probably. And uh, yeah, no, I, I, Twitter, a hundred, you get 140 characters to say something, which is about the average, the, the length of the average idea these days on the internet. So 140 characters, characters, not words, characters. So you're typing away, and the count, the thing that, counts about, down, and about 25 words. Something mm, like that? They're about 25, 30, yeah. depending on uh, my words. About 10. Yours about 25 to 30. Me 50. Oh yeah. <laughs> But you know, we throw up. Uh, what I do is I'm I'm tossing up current God Whisperers news, so it's kind of more like stay tuned or something like that. But uh, I want to see how many people we can. We get. I think we're up to like 26 followers now. Wow, you that's know? pretty good. John Cleese has 156,000 followers, so you know we got that, a ways to go. <laughs> John Cleese. <laughs> I he signed has, up. He twitters. He's, he's got a Twitter. Account. I signed up for Twitter because we got this thing, and all of a sudden people are following me. Which is really disturbing because I'm not saying anything. That's probably why. <laughs> some, some people just want a silent Twitter. <laughs> why are you following me? I never even log on to this thing. It's like but... it's like Facebook. You know, I go on Facebook once a month, and then you have you have 50 friend requests, and then I feel guilty, so I block confirm all of them. Ah, actually, you can't. Uh, but I, I kind of just kind of blindly go click, confirm, click, confirm. Click, yeah. Click, <laughs> click. Now and, I go. I and go then on... you get email. I go on Facebook every day because I play the slots, and so you get a new allotment of, of credits for your slots every day. So no, I don't. Yeah, I, I have wiped out everything. I'm just the... trying, to, trying to get to the final level of the slot so I can <laughs> be done with it. But if you want to email us, or, or uh, rather call we us. We did email. Godwhispers at gmail.com. Yeah. I, <laughs> if you want to call us, I wrote it down. Uh, 626-593-7713. Call, leave a message. That spells Manly Doctors 13. And, and I'm done with that. You're done. <laughs> From the Rush Limbaugh School That's of Radio. <laughs> no dead air on this show. <laughs> May not be anything. Hey, speaking of dead air, uh, this is from the Ecumenical News International. Oh. This is more from my, my weird and wacky world of religion file. Uh, you'll like this one, actually. Church authorities in the Netherlands refuse to discipline a Dutch pastor who is a self-proclaimed atheist. Beautiful. Now, 
<laughs> now this gets surreal. This is this is an exercise in postmodern use of the language here. <laughs> what was that? That was my 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 cup of iced tea. Cup of iced tea. Oh, oh, it's one. Oh, okay. I, I see. You've got a you've got a lid on it. We went to Jerry's Dogs again. Great place. Yeah. But it, check this out. A church authority said disciplinary proceedings against Hendrixa. Uh, Hendrix, uh, I don't have I don't have his full name here. Who is a pastor of the Protestant Church in the Netherlands would likely lead to I like this quote a protracted discussion about the meanings of words hmm. that in the end will produce little clarity. Hmm. Now, if that is a postmodern deconstructionist statement, uh, you know, <laughs> the the letter also noted that people have debated the issue of God's existence throughout time. Now, I didn't know that this was a subject of debate inside the church. Right. I, you know, That's I mean, kind of what I'm thinking here. Now, Hendricks gained attention with his book published in November 2007, in which he said, now get this, it was not necessary to believe in God's existence in order to believe in God. <laughs> this this is a sure sign that we're we're going we're going collectively insane as a species. Okay? Huh? The Dutch title of the book translates as "Believing in a God Who Does Not Exist: Manifesto of an Atheist Pastor." <laughs> in his book, Hendrikson recounts how his conviction that God does not exist has become stronger over the years. The non-existence of God is for me not an obstacle but a precondition to believing in God, he writes. I am an atheist believer, Hendricks uh, writes what? in the book. I'm, I'm not making this up. This is a quote. God is for me not a being but a word for what can happen between people. Whatever, dude. There you are. Someone says to you, for example, I will not abandon you, and then makes those words come true. It would be perfectly all right to call that relationship God. I do believe that stupid in public should be a felony. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's sort of self-condemning, but, but <laughs> you know, th- this kind of you know reminds me of of all these guys that you find on the History Channel whenever they're rolling out the the hidden gospel, the new secret gospel revealed, or you know, and they they roll out the same tired cast, John Dominic Crossan, and and all these other guys who don't forget uh, Elaine Pagels. Yeah, one of my yeah, favorite. she's always on it, and and these people. A reminder once again. That if you're in college, any any course that 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 has the word studies as the second word, avoid it at all at all costs. I mean, this is you may as well take basket weaving or something. Now, religious studies, women's studies, Chicano studies. I don't care what it is. When I was in community college, they first started this women's studies stuff, and I thought, excellent, I'll go take that class because it's going to be all women in there, right? <laughs> then I saw the women walking in and oh, out of there. Oh yeah. I'd rather hang you, out in the men's locker room. You drop, was, you drop the course immediately. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, nice strategy though. Crossing all these. I also took a sewing class for the same reason. But that was. But uh, <laughs> John, John Dominic Crossing and you Pagels, do make a nice shirt. I have I? to. I got to. I got to say right there. But uh, you know, these people, for all intents and purposes, are rank unbelievers. They do everything that they can Excuse to trash me. the gospel. Go ahead and make all the noise you want there. That's good. We're, we're like children with microphones. But these guys do everything they can to damage the gospel, but then they proclaim themselves to be great churchmen. And I, I yeah. don't get it. Why even bother? Except getting your five minutes on TV every, you know, six months or so. Yeah, and you get to wear a dress, so it's it's, uh, it's kind of nice. Klaas, Klaas, I don't know how the, the Dutch say K-L-A-A-S, Klaas 
Hendricks uh, is our man of the day here, an atheist pastor who says, and I have to read it again because, because this is, is just too good. The non-existence of God <laughs> is for me not an obstacle, but a precondition to believing in God. I am an atheist believer. You know, the, the psalmist says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Now, this is fool squared. <laughs> Because he says there is no God, and then he says he believes in the God that doesn't exist. It's it's like anti anti fideism fideism. Where I believe because I believe here. It's I believe because I don't believe. No, I, I think is, this is a classic example of postmodern religion or deconstructionism at its finest. Is where these words now mean absolutely nothing. And so they're right that when they say that the, this would result in a protracted discussion about the meanings of words that will, in the end, produce little clarity. I mean, I just fire his butt. Yeah. Know, what do we? What, what do we of, have to talk about? What here? kind of church is this? Uh, this is the Protestant Church of the Netherlands. Nederlanders. Protestant Church in the Netherlands. Oh, mm. they, I think so, they made better. They did better at at international trade than religion, as I, <laughs> as I recall. I, I think the Dutch the Dutch were really good for trade. Are, is is this one of now the Netherlands? Weren't they historically one of the Lutheran churches or no. Lutheran states? No, 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 no. They just they they didn't they didn't take sides. Oh, it was bad for business. They they didn't take sides. They just kind of Protestant is as good, you know, Calvinist, whatever. It's whatever. Okay. Well, that's what I would say You're to this guy. You're thinking of the Danish. Whatever. You're thinking of the, da- the Danish. Yeah, the Danes. The Denmark Lutheran Church is not exactly no. a, what I would call a lively Mo- place Most either. of the European Lutheran churches are not so Lutheran anymore. Ooh, yeah, well. Yeah. All right. <laughs> most of the American Lutheran churches aren't so Lutheran anymore either. Everybody's looking, like Spencer says, you know, they're all looking to Africa now. Well, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God bless them. May they send missionaries to us. We don't need that. I'm tired of hearing that. You know, you hear that all the time, though. They're going to send missionaries to America. Like, we need it. We've got Bibles. We've got churches. You know, just so we don't have too many atheist pastors floating around. It's just got to get off our butt and do something with it. Well, them. I don't want to talk to those unbelievers. I, I don't <laughs> Yeah, well. <laughs> all right. Someone's got to do it. Table of duties. We'll see Mark Jace out. Mark, our man, Mark. You know he's 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 now doing he's going to be doing workshops where he takes like yeah. college students and seminary types out on uh, field missions. Boot camp, boot camp. I want to go on one of these things. Yeah, it'll be fun. You know, we should he's do that. Fearless. We should do a God Whisperers. Ooh. Um, Sort of live from the commons of UCLA, yeah, or or UCI or wherever we happen to be. But but you know this is this is Mark Jays alive and in action. I have I have a wireless mic. We could just hook him up with a wireless mic and and uh, so him, tell me what do you think about you turn know, him just, loose on the commons? Yeah, yeah. And, and then we could sit back at the table and make uh, running commentary. That, that would yeah, <laughs> I'm on that. <laughs> hey Mark, go get that one over yeah. there. <laughs> that, would, that would be great. No, that would really. There'd be a little bit like um, maybe we could wire him in with uh, so that he can hear us and we can direct him around. It'd be more fun talking. See, see that guy in the turban. Get the, get the guy. Go go after the guy in the turban. <laughs> kind, of, kind of like Dave Letterman with, with, with uh, who is that guy from the the deli next door? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Oh, I forgot the guy's about. name. The Vietnamese guy, but but he'd uh, he it was from the Hello Deli, Rupert. 
I was thinking more and of... And he'd have uh, him wired for sound and have him do all kinds of bizarre things remote from the truck so he wouldn't get beat up. <laughs> so just, I was thinking more of Ross from Jay Leno, the uh, the guy with the squealy... Oh, yeah. Same, same thing. Squealy uh, special person. R- Ross the intern? Yeah, Ross the intern. <laughs> Mark the intern. That'd be a fun God Whispers, though. Mark, Mark Jaza live and on campus. Yeah, you know, evangelism we, we gone to do wild. A video cast of that, though, that might be worth video. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't done a video podcast yet. No, no, that would be the end of this. We show. would lose all all listeners. Be, oh my god! Yeah, well, we could just we could you know we could we would have to like broadcast just just videos of puppies and kittens while we're talking <laughs> or something like that. Hey, keep talking for a second. I, I'll be right you, back. You go to the bathroom? <laughs> no, I got to blow my nose. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll give you the running commentary here. Oh, you got to push the button on top of the uh, paper towel dispenser there. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Green. Green chunky. Uh, very good. Very good. <laughs> that was, uh, you know, I oftentimes get grief over my we, uh, shenanigans. Your bodily or, functions yeah, on the air. My, no, it's usually your, 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 I, it's your iPod. That the iPod buzzing and all that. And Man, I don't know what happened there. All right, I'm ready to go. Um, <laughs> I'm restored now. I couldn't breathe. I was having, I was having trouble. I had just the, in, the intakes were you just totally coated your doze. Yeah. Uh, table of duties. We, we've done the... the <laughs> we've done... The, We've we've done the, the the order of the church and those who preach and those who hear. We've done the order of civil society and those who govern and those who are governed, the citizens, and had a great time with rendering to Caesar that which was Caesar's. And now we come to the domestic sphere, right? Which is really a series of authorities, right? Beginning yeah. beginning with husband and wife and then parent and child, and then by extension, employer-employee, or, you know, the, the, the scriptures talk about masters and servants and, and that sort of thing. And so um, that's what we'll be taking up today. You know, uh, before we get into this, it's interesting, uh, Ephesians 5 is where we always go on the wedding uh, uh, verses and whatnot, and it seems that in this day and age, this whole idea of wives submitting to your husbands boy, that one causes a lot of battles and a lot of struggles with pastors and parishioners and, and whatnot. But it's interesting here, in the in the order here, we deal with husbands first and then wives. And in Ephesians, we'll talk a little bit more about this, the husband actually has the higher or harder task than the wife in Ephesians, but we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. Do you Let's, have do you have Ephesians 5 in front of you? Oh, no. No, okay, I... Um, why would you ask that? Well, no, just because because I, I think it doesn't come in the table of duties, but it I really think it should have. I, I think that's the uh, well, it it the, does with the wives just submit to your husbands as to the Lord, but it doesn't not, get into the whole, not the full context. Right, not, that's what I'm saying. Not not what. Um, yeah, I've got it here, starting at verse Ephesians five twenty one. Right. Uh, be subject to one another out of reverence to Christ. Uh, can I make a comment on that verse? Because I think it's misunderstood. No, you may not. All right, then we'll go on. Um, <laughs> yeah, this as the way I look at this, this verse is a heading. It's not an overarching statement because you can't be 
the the word submit or subject or subordinate that's the word for ranking right and you can't be ranked under each other that's not possible you know it would be like saying generals and lieutenants uh be ranked under each other there, there isn't lieutenants are under generals and so i th- i think this is a heading of which everything that follows for the next chapter and then some uh, explains what it means. Be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. This means, verse 22, wives are subject to their husbands. It means children are subject to their parents, and it means servants are subject to their masters. That's what that verse means. I have a couple uh, in my church in their 80s who have mastered this, I believe. And what they've done is they've come up with an agreement where Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, he's right. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, she's right, and on Sunday, the Lord's right. So, <laughs> but it's a give and take. It tells right? you to be out of out of the house every other day. Yeah, well, but I think that that's kind of what we're getting at here is there's a give and take involved. Right. That we are, if we're putting the other person first, we are going to subject ourselves to the other person to some extent. But see, I don't think that's what it means. Uh, it means ordering. Uh, that's why submit is I don't think a good translation. Subject is better. Be ordered under is best. Wives, be ordered under your husbands. The husband is the head, and the wife is his deputy. Yeah. Well, you always hear pastors make a big deal out of this word, hippotasso, and, and that subjugation. That's the, that's the, that's the verb. Right. Uh, or hippotaxis is the, is the noun. And it's from the military. It's when the right. military was marching, they marched in rank, in order. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have order in your military and ranking, then you don't have an army. You have chaos. We find this also in First Timothy three, where pastors are qualifications for a pastor is he keeps his house in good order, right? And so it's the same kind of concept going on here that um, in order to be a pastor, well, first thing is no one really is qualified to be a pastor according to First Timothy three because everybody is deficient on at least one point there. Well, that wouldn't but, be true because Paul's giving practical counsel of how to fill the office. So so clearly you can find somebody that, that meets those qualifications. I've yet to find one. <laughs> <No>. That's a <laughs> sorry statement of our society, but, uh, but that's, anyway, that's, that's this... not one of those, gee, I can't live up to the law, but Jesus forgives me passages, okay? <laughs> that's This is a practical checklist for people to to, for you know, plugging these sinners into office. I think spirit of the law, perhaps letter. Nobody's going to fulfill that. But regardless, um, we have here a situation where you have a headship, and you have you you can't like Swirla was saying, you can't have more than one president of the United States. You you have to have. Yeah, you can't one. have a two headed anything. Right. Otherwise, you got this kind of monster on your hands. Yeah. With, with two wills, and and it's not going to work out. You know, and so. So, yeah, and, and that's the basis here in Ephesians 5, is that as Christ is the head of the church, so husbands are the head of the wife and the head of the family, by extension. And as you said, uh, that, is, that runs totally counter to the equalitarian sort of, of view that our society has today, right? the post-feminist society. Although I'm finding interesting that there are some of the young women, and I, by young I mean kind of uh, just emerging into their 20s, 
are rejecting a lot of the feminist diatribe and are actually um, embracing this in a new way again. I'm kind of hopeful. There's like a counter-reaction that seems to be taking place. Well, we went through a whole generation where we were told little boys and little girls are interchangeable, that there's no difference. Give the little girl a gun and the little boy a Barbie and they'll be happy as can be. And the little boys are shooting each other with their Barbies. Yeah, right. <laughs> They've decapitated the, girls the are, Barbies. <laughs> yeah, are putting glitter on their guns and stuff, right? And right. So, we we realized that was just foolhardy silliness that God has made us very different. Although we do have some commando women now in the military, so uh, yeah. Some... <laughs> the look on your face. I like Rush Limbaugh's take on that. The Amazon battalions, where you uh, have the ladies, they go into combat for one week at a time. And yeah, yeah. And, and, and I wouldn't want to be at the wrong end of the gun that week. That's... <laughs> That's great. But uh, do you have that passage in that Ephesians passage? In front of you? Uh, yes, if you don't, I, I do. do. But, I but do, yeah. Uh, yeah, like 521 to what? 533 is the whole thing, but yeah. I think that's worth reading just at the, at the Yeah, at the let's go all the way through 33, 21. Well, 21 picks up in the middle of a sentence. Uh, no, 21 is, well, be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Yeah. Although, as I said, I think that's... That's setting an outline heading. That's not a, just a right. gen- okay. general statement. Okay, so wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. See, that's what I was talking about. Husbands are called to a, a very... <laughs> severe task here, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church." because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. You know, this is an aside, but I really like the Christological interpretation of Genesis 2.24. Uh, here in Ephesians 5.31, that Christ is the one who leaves father and mother, hmm. and, 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 and that is in death, obviously. You know, he, remember that, that scene where he, where he uh, entrusts his mother to his disciple? Right. Uh, he is, so he's, he's leaving his mother as he has left his father, and now he is joined to his bride, the church, hmm. uh, by the blood of his cross, and, and so it consummates the marriage in his death. So, you know, but this Christological understanding of of Genesis, whereas in Genesis, it just deals with uh, the creation of man and woman and their their reunion, as it were, in uh, sexual union to become one flesh. So that's why he calls it a profound mystery. This is something that, that is not apparent at the surface. It has to be revealed. Uh, but but just speaking of the order of Christ and uh, or not of Christ in the church, but of husbands and wives, you know you have this ordering: husbands are the head, and wives are subordinate to their husbands, as the church is subordinate to Christ. And th- this is just this completely violates our understanding of equalitarian roles. Now, one of the funnest movies in a long time, my big fat Greek wedding. 
great there, movie. Yes, there was a line in there that is is really true. Where the mother is, the daughter wants to go to school, and the father is not wanting her to. I think it has to do with the marriage, though, doesn't it? That she wants to marry this non-Greek guy, and the father is resistant. Or, or... I, I think is when she wanted to take classes. Okay. But regardless, I, but there's regardless. something there's something that needs father's permission, right? Yeah. And and the mother says the father is the head of the house, but the mother is the neck, and she can turn the head whatever direction mm-hmm. she wants. The head turns wherever <laughs> the neck wants it to go. Yeah, yeah. There's some, you know, I, I think it once. I think if we would shed all the baggage, the politics of feminism and stuff, and, and, and get down to what this is saying, I think you'd realize, as you've pointed out, that everybody is laying down their life here. Right. And, uh, and the husbands uh, are, have no less of a laying down of their lives than the wives do. Even called to a greater laying down of his life here. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't weigh them out. Each of them is appropriate to who they are. You, you know that that uh, and and this this viewing of viewing your wife as your own body, uh, you know, I would challenge any married man to to uh, to look at that very seriously and consider the implications. You know, we guys generally are pretty wimpy when there's something wrong with our bodies. Yeah. You know, and 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 are you, you look at the guys at the gym, you know, preening in front of the mirror. Yeah, we love our own bodies and we coddle them and everything. Else. This is our wife. Our wife is one flesh with our own bodies, and 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 we are to treat them that way. And I think that's a tall order. She is to die for, literally. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and and so you know, and I say this at a lot of weddings too. I, I make it a point. Have you ever had a Have you ever had a bride refusing the, to hear this word at a oh, wedding? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's non-negotiable with me. Yeah, if I no. do the wedding, I read this. If you yeah. don't want me to read this, I'm not doing the wedding. But the uh, new hymnal has options for it. I don't care how many options <laughs> it gives. This, this is this, and Genesis two are 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 non-negotiable. You can read other things if you want, but uh, you got to read this. But see, everybody's laying down their life and coming into an ordered relationship called marriage, where, where a woman is ordered under a man. See, now this is, of course, going to leave out all other permutational, co- you know, combinatorial possibilities here. You know, that, that it requires a woman and a man and an ordering. Right, right. And I, I, I think what I was trying to get at before is that we are given different roles in marriage. We're given different roles as men and women. And one of the roles of men is protector. And we are called to lay down our lives for our families, if need be, as as the protector of the family, and, absolutely, and as, as the protector of the wife. The wife is called to simply respect the husband. The husband is called to be the provider and protector. I, I don't think simply really. Yeah, that's certainly you, you, there's an asymmetrical sentence in five five thirty three that uh, that husbands are to love their wives as themselves. Right. And I, it's, I, it's kind of interesting. Uh, marriage is a two-way street, but it's not symmetrical. Husbands love your wives. Wives respect your husbands. Right. It doesn't say love. It says respect. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced that this is the, the key element here. Most wives love their husbands, even the ones that mistreat them. But the mm. real question is, do you respect him? Right. And that's where you get the, well, not really. Well, okay, there's your problem. Well, and I think the psyche of men is made in such a way where... We want to be respected more than yeah. more than love. I have rarely met a guy who says my wife doesn't love me. Right. He says I get no respect. He's the, yeah. the, the Rodney Dangerfield syndrome. I get no respect at home. This way, <laughs> don't come home. They get more respect at work. Yeah. Where they can intimidate people and stuff. But you know, Dr. Laura has made a cottage industry on this. No matter what you think about her, 
I mean, her, her whole notion of the care and feeding of marriage and the care and feeding of husbands, I, I think she's, she's tapped into this in a natural law sort of Very way. Very good, yeah, yeah. Um, I used to, I ran out of them, but I used to hand out, she's got a condensed version of her audio book of Proper Care and Feeding of Marriage. I used to hand them out as people would come in for marriage counseling and say, listen to this and then come back, let's talk some more. We need to take a break. We'll be back after these important messages. Welcome back to the God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. I'm Bill Swirla. We're talking about the table of duties. Right now, we're, we've been talking about husbands and wives, men and women, and so forth and so on. You know, you, I think, are the one who kind of keyed me into this, and I picked this up on uh, the marriage ceremony, ah. is, is that some pietist along the way cut out the last verse of Genesis 2. Oh, yeah, they were naked and without shame. Yeah. Who, you know, who's the idiot? Didn't, didn't want to go there. I mean, that, that's, that's like, integral oh, to the commentary. say that in church. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, you, you don't understand 224, they become one, they're one flesh. Yeah. Uh, without that reference. Or maybe it was Capon. I don't know if it was you or Capon or what, but I, I, uh, all that's, of a sudden, that's pretty good company, I, I woke up and I said, why did they leave that out? What's going on here? You know, that needs to be incorporated back in. So I incorporate it back in the readings. Yeah, I, I always do. The, and the, the wedding folders that I print out, which have the readings printed out, uh-huh. always have that one, that verse in there. I mean, it's also integral to understanding Genesis 3, then, when when they fall into sin, become self-aware, right. are ashamed of the gift of their nakedness. We were naked and, and we were ashamed, right? Yeah. But, it, you know, and and the point is made well that only in marriage can there be you know, naked without shame. Yeah, it, it, for a fallen creature, that that's that's true. And and also, you know, marriage is built on that paradigm of Adam and Eve. That that Adam loses part of himself and regains it as as a counterpart, that's mm-hmm. like him but not like him, not right. interchangeable. Uh, one of the lies I think of this equalitarian view of humanity is that uh, male and female are just interchangeable traits right and and that it's like hair color eye color there's no difference between a brown-eyed human being blue-eyed human being um but uh the the genders the sexes are not interchangeable i contend that the blue-eyed human being is superior (laughs) that's there's kind of a history of that but we won't go into that one uh and i'm not german that puts you in some real weird company i You know, carrying on with this, uh, yeah. uh, Peter repeats this too in in a way that also sounds the, the wives don't like this. Um, in fact, I had I got accosted after church once just for reading this passage. Of, Was she cute? Uh, no, um, oh, okay. husbands in the same way be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. Now here, see, respect comes in here uh, as the weaker partner. <laughs> Now, I don't know. I know some women that I, <laughs> I wouldn't consider a weaker partner. They kind of yeah. <laughs> knock the daylights out of you. Um, as heirs with you, the precious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, now there's a cool thing at the, the end here is that, that as husband and wife, your prayers are united. And, and that, uh, you know, in this ordered relationship, there's also ordered worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was Luther that called the, the, the husband the, the bishop of the house. And, and, and uh, I think he calls the wife the bishopress, which is really an unfortunate title. Um, should have called her deacon. 
because the deacon being, of course, the bishop's assistant, but uh, yeah, Luther said what he said. Um, but treating wives with respect, uh, right. you know, and, and in, in, uh, in Ephesians, honoring them as, as one's own body. Uh, Colossians, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Uh, all of this goes into this idea. See, I, I, headship has gotten this this caricature of being domineering. Right. Or you know, and and this the other thing that's that's considered a real bad thing is patriarchy. You know that is that and patriarchy means means nothing more than the rule of the father. Well, the headship of yeah, the father. Ma- matriarchy is just as terrifying if if, you, if done wrong, <laughs> no, maybe that's even worse. Downright scary, right? Is what that but, is, but the reality is, this is not a lording of your power over the other person. You're not. You're not. You know, dangling, and as pastors, you know, some pastors do this also, where they rule with an iron fist over their church. It will be my way or the highway, you know. And when it comes to doctrine, sometimes it does need to be that way. But uh, when the church council's deciding what color to paint the basement or something like that, you know, th- th- that's silly. Yeah, or even what time to have the service, or yeah, you know, there's all kinds of things right. where authority becomes power to control. Right. And so husbands are not called to lord their authority over their wives. They're called to put their wives first in everything. And in doing so, they will be respectable because they are loving and gracious, not just this totalitarian jerk. Now, one thing I, I, I always tell the couples and, and, and whole groups of people, too, is when we read that passage, I always have the whoever's not being addressed, shut their ears, because this isn't for them. <laughs> so husbands can't go around and say to their wives, look, the Bible says you're to submit to me. Right. Uh, this is for wives to give. Mm-hmm. And likewise, wives can't say to their husbands, look, you got to lay down your life for me. That's what the Bible says. But this is for husbands to give. And uh, as we are each doing our own uh, thing that is proper to our vocation, then the response will come from the other party. That's what Dr. Laura says. Mm-hmm. You know, Dr. Laura basically encourages wives to be good wives, and your husbands will respond accordingly. Right. I think also the same thing needs to be said flip-flop. She doesn't, but uh, but she seems to put it all on the wives, and I think she's looking at it through a post-feminist matrix. Yep. But, but it, it goes the other way, too, that when husbands man up mm-hmm. and and be the head of their family, not not talk it, but actually be it. And that involves being present. Right, right. You know, I mean, part of laying down your life is you're giving up some time with your buds mm-hmm. uh, because you've, you, have, you have a wife now. And, and, and when, uh, when husbands man up and, and uh, be the heads of their family visibly present, uh, amazing things happen. The whole family tends to orient around them mm-hmm. just by being there. Yeah, I have a family in my church. They're they're a large family, and the father is very involved with the kids and and with everyone else. And it's beyond dispute uh, the way the order of things there because he is very involved, a very uh, model family in a lot of ways. That in his involvement with his wife and with his kids, you really see this sort of headship evolve, and his wife just kind of is adoring in a lot of ways and because he he's worthy of it and so you find that as he acts as the head of the house the house is is raised in a proper way 
But if the man absences himself, then you have all sorts of problems that you wouldn't otherwise have. One thing I've seen, I don't know how it is in your congregation, but with, with I'm thinking some of the younger families and younger couples, but but no, I, I take it back. I mean, even, even the ones that have been married for 40, 50 years, what I've found is that where you have men who step up as heads of household, and they are husbands and fathers, and clearly the head of their household, you also have strong women. Mm-hmm. That the women, it's not that these women are doormats. No, Any, anything not at all. but. Uh, and, and I'm convinced that that in this God, this divinely ordered way of existence, um, we are most male and most female in our respective roles, and we fulfill our our destiny as being men and women. And we actually are able to exercise fully our gifts and and you know all the things that we want to do is attainable in this order. But if you fight the order. And men try to be women, and women want to be men, or it's all the same and interchangeable. It, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. It's yeah. not going to happen. It's in the feminist world, the gender confusion has caused a lot of havoc in that when men behave like women, women can't respect them any longer. And they, and they really start to resent them for not being men anymore. And then they complain there are no more men in the world because the men are acting like women. It's their worst nightmare. They neutered the men and then complained that the men are all wimps. Right. And, and, and so I guess you may as well be lesbian then or something. You know, just trade them all in. And but, then but, what's interesting is when a strong man comes along, they hate your guts – but somehow but they're, they're, but they're, they're secretly in love with you. <laughs> they're fascinated by who let the Neanderthal in. Ooh, He's kind of interesting. Ooh, I hate that guy. He bothers me in a really interesting way. <laughs> I, that is, not, not that I command that kind of respect, but, but, uh, but I have observed that yeah. go on. Yeah. And, and it is kind of fascinating. Have you ever noticed that if you have a room full of men, and one woman walks in the, Dynamic the, the door. Dynamic changes. It's like all of a sudden, it, yeah. it's like everything just shifts. Yeah. You can almost hear the screeching of the brakes. Right. Uh, it happened at a, a it was like a, a pastor's retreat, and, and this was with some ELCA pastors. And so naturally, there's a female vicar that was tagging along. Ah. And she walks in the room, and instantly the conversation, just like all the testosterone left the room simultaneously. <laughs> just amazing. Well, in a situation like that, too, where there's a lot of feminism involved, you're afraid to say anything because you'll be chastised for being politically incorrect well, yeah. and everything else. Or too. conversely, have you ever unwittingly walked into a bridal shower or a baby shower? Oh, mercy. You know, it's like, who let him in? <laughs> there was some secret ritual going on, and they had to stop it because, well, no, you know, they smelled testosterone. <laughs> now it's the co-ed baby showers. Yes. And that, that's just wrong. That's wrong. But I did go to one where the guys were outside barbecuing and smoking cigars, and the women were inside being chicks. <laughs> that's how that's we do okay. It. That's how we do it at our church, yeah. is the guys take care of the kids, and we go out and we get like a six-pack a six of beer, and we put something on the grill. And yeah. I don't know what the girls are doing inside. Don't I don't care. care. Now, what we were thinking of was we were thinking of doing sort of a, a, a father's baby shower where we exchange power tools. Oh, you know, I like the way you're thinking. Any that. excuse, right? You know, yeah. you have a baby, you really do need a new circular saw. Someone's got to make a crib. Well, yes, <laughs> that's right. Or, you know, a sawzall is appropriate on any occasion as far Absolutely, as I'm concerned. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that, that Home Depot registry, that's not a bad idea. Don't, don't think shower curtains. Think power tools. That's I'd right. Say. That's right. Uh, shall we move on to parents? Why not? Parents and children. Here's an order that's kind of gotten inverted because uh, parents are now ordered under their oh, children. Gosh. <laughs> but let's read it first and then uh, go to parents. 
Fathers, do not exasperate your children. I like that. Don't frustrate them with yeah. lots of rules. Notice it addresses fathers, too. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, or I like the old, remember, the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice nice way of saying it. Ephesians 6.4. Shall I read the two children? You shall. Uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. <laughs> they won't kill you. <laughs> this goes back to the good My old paraphrase. days where when Junior disrespected you enough, you could drag him out to the edge of town and throw rocks at you, him. You know, honestly, I think this, this yeah. is what it refers to, <laughs> that the chronically disobedient son was taken out to the city gates and stoned. Yeah. I actually made that comment in Bible class yesterday because we, we had some, you know, some, some of the... Some children that needed stoning? No, it's the, the local juvenile delinquents in the neighborhood have decided that it was funny to they caught an open door in our you know our long hallway okay. and they were skateboarding down our hallway inside oh. the church building and and uh, to which I said uh, if I ever am in my office when somebody pulls that they're going to discover the thrill of a forearm shiver as uh, as as they're skateboarding down the <laughs> hallway <laughs> and, and and it is not going well with you and you will not live long f- on this find out what a broken nose feels like <laughs> as as I then call the cops while standing on their throat and uh, and uh, charge them with trespassing but I made the comment as don't you just long for the days when you could just take them out to the city gates and stone them. And then I realized I had a couple of, I, I, had, I had one, uh, um, uh, she, she was a, a lady from, from Switzerland visiting too. And, <laughs> and I'm thinking, what if she takes that, that gallows humor seriously? But it's like, ah, no loss. I don't know. <laughs> She's going back to Switzerland. Yeah, right. <laughs> going back to being neutral. Sometimes I just shoot my mouth off at the worst. Bible class for me is, illustrates why I preach from extensive notes and manuscripts because <laughs> anything can, can deflect my brain. But, uh, you know, this is really, I think this is vital in the family today. Uh, Children ordered under father and mother. Yeah. In fact, I'm trying to purge the word parent from my vocabulary, that generic, interchangeable, non, that gender neutral. Gender neutral, yeah. Parenting. It's fathering and mothering, and there is a big whacking difference. Yeah, we just had an Eagle Scout thing at the church the other night. One of our kids made Eagle Scout, and we had the big award ceremony there and everything. And it was amazing talking to the scoutmasters afterwards that a lot of women are trying to push their way into being scoutmasters and that sort of thing these days. And I guess successfully so, but just the, the frustration on these guys parts, because they deal with a lot of single parent children where good mothers who are wanting their boys to grow up to be men are saying, take my boy and make him a new man I am. through scouting. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's understandable. You know, yeah. I appreciate that at two levels. One is they recognize they can't be fathers. Right. You know, this yeah. patron saint of our society, the single mom. Yeah. Let's, I think we should make another covenant, too. They're not moms. They're mothers. Right. Mom is what you call your mother, <laughs> you know, when you call her on the phone. Hi, Mom, how are you? Right. But, but uh, they're mothers. That's an honorable title. But they can't be fathers. And women can't make boys into men. And the idea of a female scoutmaster trying to make boys into men, it, it's like men trying to make girls into little ladies. Yeah, no, it, it just doesn't work. They need reference points. Yeah. They, you know, if you're a single mother, uh, for whatever reason, you're single. I like, I like uh, Dr. Laura. Get the adjective right. You're not a single mother. You're a widowed mother. You're a divorced mother. You're some kind yeah, of mother. Yeah. But, uh, but you, you need to enlist the aid of the grandfathers, the crazy mm-hmm. uncles. 
Scoutmaster. Scoutmaster. So I appreciate it at that level as somebody saying, look, I need help in this, in this department. And, and yeah, scouting's not a bad way to go uh, in, in terms of uh, apprenticing boys into men. Right. Yeah. And if you don't have access to a man to mentor your son, you need something. And Makes sense to me. And likewise, Unless Wisconsin Synod. <laughs> Don't raise that. They have their own scouting program. They do. Though. They, they, do. they just, you know. And boy, I can understand some of their reticence. That that religion merit badge in scouting. Have you ever looked at that yeah, thing? Yeah. My goodness. I mean, you, you, it's like, well, let's let's give the kids a taste of Native American uh, spiritism. Oh, there's actually a unit that... some sage or something. Yeah, it's just it's it's outrageous. There's actually a unit for that. That is quote-unquote, Lutheran-specific, well, yeah, which is interesting because it's not very Lutheran. One of, my, one of my fellow pastors, my circuit, was a participant in Religion Day for scouting, and so he was... The, and what they did was they, they would go and physically go to different houses of worship huh. of all sorts. And then the local head of that place, pastor, priest, shaman, whatever it was, would, would, uh, would give a spiel about their religion and, and, and demonstrate some practice of it, you know. And I guess all was going fine and dandy as far as this guy was concerned until they were out in the park and some Native American medicine man or so was offering burning sage leaves to the great spirit or something. And he says, that's when I checked out. I was, I was going home at that point. But, it, you know, it's, it's become sort of a pageant of religions. I'm just thinking of the great wake-up call when he sparks up his peace pipe with a peyote in it. <laughs> well, you're joining in at that point. The sweat lodge. Yeah. You need the sweat lodge. <laughs> the, um, you know, we're talking about apprenticing boys into men. Uh, there's also the corresponding apprenticing girls into women and training right. them to be mothers and wives and that. And, uh, you know, one passage that often gets overlooked is, is where, where uh, St. Paul and Titus talks about um, that the young women are to love their husbands and children, to be sensible, chaste, domestic, kind, and subordinate to their husbands, that the word of God may not be discredited. And, and uh, we, we, we just were almost trained by this modern way of thinking to, to, to uh, gloss over domestic and, and that wives aren't to be domestic. I always tease my, my, you know, my wife, I'm married to a domestic goddess. <laughs> <laughs> and I credit my mother-in-law with that. I mean, she raised her daughters to be just stellar wives, and and uh, and and very comfortable at at home, and and making a home, and 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 doing those kinds of things. And and uh, you know, I can't thank my mother-in-law enough for that. But what you know, what I'm seeing is that a lot of a lot of the women around her are not terribly domesticated anymore. You know, it's interesting. My my mother-in-law is a, is a wonderful cook, but. Uh, my wife, where she's more fun than a barrel of monkeys and can keep the house pretty tidy when she wants to, um, we just have an agreement where I cook and she cleans. <laughs> it kind of works out pretty good. Well, but that, I love to cook. The, 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 so, I, don't think, I don't think there's any one particular yeah. task. You know? And if you look at Proverbs 31, that, that wife is, uh, I mean, th- this is a huge thing. I mean, oh, yeah. she's, she's doing business. She's doing all kinds of stuff. So this is, this is not like the barefoot and pregnant kind of uh, caricature that some people make out of this. But, but the idea that, that, uh, that the, domestic, the domestic sphere is, is, a, is a great place, 
and, mm-hmm. and, a, and an honorable place. And there's, there's a lot to be done there. And, uh, you know, my, my wife works out of the home, so it, it's kind of an advantage that she doesn't have to be away from home. And she grew up on a farm, which everybody works out of the home because that is your home. <laughs> so, your home and your workplace. You know, our society kind of has made life really difficult, too. You know, it's, it's, it's great to have the ideal of having mother at home. Right. You know, we were talking about this, this at the break, that we both live in Southern California. And, you know, as the whole economy has shifted to uh, both parents working and drawing an income, and it's it's really kind of undermined and warred against this idea that you could have one person uh, working outside of the home and one person staying at home raising the kids. It's, it's becoming increasingly difficult, if not impossible, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Other parts of the country, certain parts, you can get away with a single income still. But here, unless you make a just a scat of money, it's really hard to do. Now, I've had families in my congregation that have really stepped down. They, they have intentionally, I, I can think of one in particular, where they made a conscious decision to uh, to come down significantly in the standard of living and everything in order for um, the wife to stay at home and, and raise her children. She really didn't want them in preschool and that kind of thing. And, and they've made it go, but, but, uh, you, you need a lot of things to fall together for that. Yeah. More power to them if, if they can do it, you know, you can move to a cheaper neighborhood. You can do a lot of different things. Your, your quality of living doesn't have to be quite as high. And growing up, I think about growing up in a doctor's family with a lot of privilege, but I had friends who had blue collar parents and I'll tell you the truth, they were just as happy as we were, if not happier. And yeah, I mean, it's this, it's almost axiomatic that yeah. that how much stuff you have doesn't doesn't is not proportional no. how happy you are. No. Especially kids, kids don't know any different until they start comparing with with right. other kids. Yeah, you get in a high school, it becomes a, a, an issue. But uh, when you're younger and that sort of thing, really. You know, unless you have a swimming pool or someone else has a swimming pool, you don't even notice. You have no clue. <laughs> now, you know, speaking of parents and children, you know, the, the, the phenomenon that I observe a lot uh, going on now is the, the inversion, that the, the kids seem to run the household. Yeah. And, uh, and parents are more, seem, seem more concerned about either of two things, the performance of their children as, as if children were somehow a performance measurement thing. Uh, so you're getting into what I call the power parenting mode, where <laughs> I think they read too many per- parenting magazines and things like that. But um, it's tough on teachers because, and your wife's a teacher, so, mm-hmm. you, but you know, you say anything untoward about the kid and the parents take it personally. Yeah. yeah. That it's a reflection on their parenting rather than uh, we need to put our minds together and, and do what's best for this kid here. Yeah. Well, it's, you're getting the, what's wrong with my kid? This, this <laughs> manifests itself in that kids aren't allowed to fail anymore. Everyone gets a trophy. No matter what. Yeah, it's going to be rough uh, when you get out of school and, and, and pretty much nine out of ten days are failures. Yeah. Well, yeah, you graduate and then you end up uh, with your uh, art history degree that is, you know, will qualify no, you Women's to, studies. Yeah, which, which <laughs> qualifies you to work at any Burger King. Yep. And, uh, you know, you end up in a little cubicle job where this isn't the way that it was supposed to be and... and you know, whatever happened to getting reward for doing nothing and life just then stinks. But if you grow up experiencing failure and getting a skin knee and breaking your thumb and all the rest, you know, you learn some valuable lessons and you develop character. Well, yeah, yeah, there's a couple of phenomena that I think come out of that. One is the helicopter parent. Yeah. Uh, usually moms. 
usually moms uh, that that just will not let go and and micromanage their kids' lives into college and and everything else. That goes back to the female scoutmasters. That's uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the the other is the bubble wrapped kid, you know, <laughs> who's never broken a bone, never skinned a knee. Uh, and uh, never been exposed to germs, so they're allergic to everything. Yeah, and and uh, and and I think uh, you know th- those are those are the kind of the two aberrations. There's one more, and I forgot what it was now. But uh, um, the the other the other thing that I see is is have, and you may have noticed this too. Have you noticed how children decide where parents go to church? Oh yeah, you know yeah. So so why do you go to that church? Well, they have a good program for the kids. Well, there's a new guy on Fox <laughs> News who's fairly popular. He's a Mormon because his daughter liked the church. There you go. Perfect example yeah. right there. Yeah. Now the he's kids, a Mormon because my daughter felt warm. Let the kids there, so. decide. And, right. And, uh, and I, I just I shudder at this, this loss of order. You know, one of the other things that, that you pick up is how, how uh, cheeky kids are with, with adults. Oh, yeah. You know, it's no longer, there are no honorific titles, Mr. and Mrs. They, I, I've seen kids call their parents by their first name, yeah. which would have, we would have been smacked so hard, the head would have spun about. It would look like the exorcist, you know, with the head spinning around. Just, just for, in fact, I got, I got in huge trouble referring to the neighbors by their first name, not in the neighbor's hearing. Wow. Just in our own house. And yeah. Don't you ever talk to talk about the neighbors. It's like, okay. I've, I've got a, uh, oh, maybe a kindergarten age friend, you know, his, his son, and I'm referred to as Cheese by, by this kid because I gave him Cheese when he was really little. And, oh, yeah. And so now he, he'd just walk up and demand Cheese, and now my name is Cheese. Uh-huh. So <laughs> Well, little ones, we, we cut them a lot of slack. But the, yeah, but he's getting older now. Yeah, well, that, that he's 10. Oh, I remember the other phenomenon then, of course, is the boomerang child who's never grown up, leaves the home for about six months or so, and then ends up retiring on his parents' couch, you know, because they have nice plasma TV, and he gets three squares a day, and he's 36, and, uh, you know. It, Sounds like good work if you can get it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I remember the lecture from my dad when when you're out of the house and you know he was notching off the days when I'm out of right, the house. Yeah. But this was not an option. This this was a day to look forward right. to. And boy, I tell you, I was down the end of the driveway and pulled the car out, and my brother moved into my room, and that was it. <laughs> it was over. But that's part of the difference between the roles of of fathers and mothers. The mother is the nurturer; she's the one who holds on to the children. The father has one foot firmly planted on the kid's butt, shoving him out the door. Oh yeah, that's right. Know? He's he's already changing the locks, and rightly so. Yeah, on well, both counts. A lot of cultures have those have these rites of passage where the kid's got to be called out of the house. Yep. Especially the son's got to call him away from his mother. <laughs> yeah, when we don't we don't have that. You're signaling what three minutes? Three four minutes. minutes to do workers, ding, 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 ding. servants, and masters. Let's just read it quick here. All right, go. Workers, slaves. Oh, I love that. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey the obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you. But like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. In a nutshell, um, Christian workers ought to be the best workers around because they're serving the Lord. Do your job. And uh, you don't need to hide behind a fish. Right. Yeah, I I tend to refuse to do business with anyone with a cross or a fish. Yeah, I get a little nervous about that. on their card or car. Now, a cross is okay if you're a pastor. (laughs) Unless you're like that Dutch guy. <laughs> well, I don't know. This might even extend to a lot of pastors, Employers and supervisors. <laughs> masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is 
both their master and yours in heaven, and there is no favor or favoritism with him. So, I can't read. So a Christian boss ought to be ought to be one of the best best guys to work for. Right. And uh, because he's not he's not using that position to lord and dominate. I worked for a Christian guy. I was a really devout Christian when I when I was in in uh, in science, and he was a great guy. He was very cool. Good. Uh, when I told him I was going to the seminary, I told him months before. I could have just given him two-week notice, but I gave him like six months' notice, so he uh-huh. knew what was going on. And, and he still had me up for promotion and all kinds of stuff and was very supportive. He was very, just a really cool just guy. Just in case the seminary thing didn't work in out. In case it didn't work out, yeah. He was very supportive. Instead of you, traitor, you're leaving us. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, there's a section to youth, young men, in the same way be submissive or subordinate to those who are older. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. I think this just refers to respect to elders in general, Yep, like we just talked about. Widows? Widows, this is a good one. The widow who is really in need and left alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead, even while she lives. In the early church, <laughs> the office of widow was like a real-life office in the church. If yeah, you were it, a widow, was, you were kind of expected to, to hang out at the church and, you know, be the altar guild and well, whatever. If, if you had no family. Right. Because Paul says if they have family, let them take care of right. her, you know, and live up to their religion, whatever. And but, the Bible also tells them not to be a bunch of busybodies. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> enough said. We'll move right on from that to uh, everyone. The commandments are summed up in this one rule, love your neighbor as yourself. That is, you know, that sums up Christian vocation in a sentence. You know, the Christian blesses the neighbor and uh, also, I heard that request prayers, intercessions, thanksgivings be made for everyone. First Timothy two one. That's our priesthood, and this little rhyme at the end of the catechism because we got to bring it to that conclusion. Let each his lesson learn with care, and all the household well shall fare. We'll we, see you next time on the God Whispers. We're out of time. <laughs> Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. He taught me how to live my life as it should be. He taught me how to turn my cheek when people laugh at me. I've had friends before, and I can tell you that.